Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. We're continuing our study in Psalm chapter 23. In fact, we're already to verse 5, which means we are just about done with this study. I hope this study has been impactful for you. It is something that has been impactful for me in my life. Uh, when I first studied it, but it is also, of course, just incredible reminders when going through God's Word. In Psalm 23, though it is a familiar passage, it is one of those ones that has just really impacted me and been important in my life uh, for the past few years. In fact, every night when I go to put Thomas and Henry to bed, I I quote to them uh, some variation of either Psalm chapter 1, Psalm chapter 23, and Psalm chapter 19. Um, Sometimes it's all three of them. Sometimes it's two of them. Uh, Once in a great while, it's only one of them. That's if we putting them in bed really late, but uh, but Psalm 23 gets quoted multiple times a week in our house. In fact, uh, Thomas just by we haven't worked with him on Psalm 23, but uh, but he can he can kind of I don't know if he can quite quote it by any means, but he can go and kind of finish off uh, at least each verse. Uh, if you go and you get him started in that, uh, and of course, if he's in the right mindset, sometimes, you know, he's just an obstinate little booger, uh, but that's how kids are, but that's okay. Let's get into our passage here today in Psalm chapter 23, and remember, we're going to be focusing in on verse 5, and it says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, the first thing that I want us to see here this morning is that you will have enemies. You will have enemies. Isn't that a great way to start? I mean, I I thought this was about contentment. You might be asking, why are you telling me that I'm going to have enemies? Well, in verse 5, it says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. It is important that you realize that you will have enemies and the enemies that are stated in this passage are are abundant, too, because we think of the life of King David. Uh, in fact, he probably wrote this before he was king, but we see King David here, and of course, the enemies that he encountered throughout his life. He, of course, had Goliath. He had the, the lions and the bears, if you want to go before that. He also had King Saul. He also had the Philistines. He also had Absalom, and I'm not even mentioning all of these enemies that King David had, but that is a a pretty big list here of enemies that David ran into across his life. There's no doubt he is someone who knew what it was like to have enemies and, of course, the difficult circumstances that he had to encounter. You know, whether that was running for his life from King Saul, in fact, so much so that he had to act insane in front of the Philistines, whether that was being driven from his home by uh, his son Absalom, who did um, just some pretty terrible things, if you go and you read that text, uh, whatever it might be, he had uh, terrible circumstances at times, and some of them were of his own doing, some of them were just because you go through bad circumstances in life, someone else's sin, someone else's choice, but he definitely had enemies. 
And of course, you will have enemies in your life as well, which means you will also have difficult circumstances. But let's understand here, what does this word enemies mean in this text? It means to bind, to be distressed, or to be oppressed, and it's a continuous action. Specifically, this word enemies is talking about something that continuously oppresses, binds, or distresses, brings distress to your life. David understood these circumstances well, as I mentioned, and in your life, you're going to have these types of circumstances as well. Uh, We have things that will shake us to the core in life that you will have to face. Uh, You're going to have trials in your life. They are a reality. Either you're entering them or you're in the midst of them or you're exiting them. I believe I pointed that out yesterday. Uh, But you will have circumstances or trials that will continually distress you, that will bring you great difficulty. It's just the nature of life in this sin-cursed world. It's the reality of it. Now, I specifically recall after our third miscarriage, that I was so distressed that I wrote a poem. It was one of those things that it just really distressed me. Now, uh, my distress didn't make me a poet, so I will spare you from that. But but I just want to bring out the, the fact that it was one of those things that it was so difficult, it was so draining on my life that, that I went and, and, I mean, it drove me to do something that I wouldn't normally go and do. Uh, because, I, I mean, it was just so distressful. Now, you will encounter circumstances in your life that will bring you great distress. They will keep you up at night. They might even give you a heartburn from the anxiety that you might get. They will shake you to your core. But I don't want you to be ignorant here. You are going to go through trials. You're going to have these difficult things in life. But the question is, is can we find contentment, which will alleviate a lot of these ailments, the the not being able to sleep at night, the heartburn and things like that that's brought on by anxiety. Those things can be fixed if we can find contentment in Christ. See, Satan wants you to be surprised about trials so that you are shocked and then you are paralyzed and you're in fear because you don't know what to do, because you didn't see them coming. You didn't know that you'd go through trials. That's one of the things in in life today that, that I think is just so detrimental, is that we don't tell people you're going to go through trials. People don't prepare you to go through trials. And so most of the time, in fact, if you're listening to this podcast, you listen to this podcast specifically for the content on contentment, you're, you're probably going, oh, oh man, I'm already in the middle of this and, and you're, you're looking for a, a spare tire type fix. My goal is ultimately, though I do hope you get the spare tire type fix, let's get you back on the road and going down the, the, the highway, but my goal is to give you a steering wheel type fix, to, to treat it like a steering wheel that you're going and staying in the center of the road, as opposed to, oh, hey, broken down, let's, let's find contentment, and instead of making it be just a spare tire and getting you back on the road, let's find contentment keep contentment so that it can be a steering wheel so that no matter what is going on all around you, you stay in the center of God's will, the center of the road that God places you on. That's that's the goal here. That's the goal. That's what I'm hoping for. But I want you to also realize here that 
this word for enemies, I mentioned it, it's a continuous action. And so it means that that, that it is a continual thing, that these enemies that, that come up. It's not just something that goes and, and hits you once, but it's one of those things that you struggle with and it comes and it comes back up in your mind and in your life. You, you know, when it came to this idea of contentment, when when I was really going and studying this out and, and was really struggling with this in my life, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and open up just a little bit. It was, it wasn't the loss or, or the lack of a child in my life that I struggled with so much when it came to contentment. Rather, it was the fact that if I looked around, I could go and find deadbeat dads. I could see that people were having abortions and that people were having children even out of wedlock. There were people who weren't doing things the right way. They were sinning and yet seemed to get the reward. And that, that made me bitter and jaded in my discontentment. That's what happened. That was the thing that, that just made the wound really sore in my life. And these thoughts were things that oppressed me day and night. In fact, I, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I had some very angry prayers with God, frankly telling him how, how he's not fair and how he's a lover of ungodliness and how dare he say that he be holy. Now, those were foolish things to say. And if those are thoughts that you're having in your life, let me go ahead and rebuke you like I needed to be rebuked. You're in the wrong. And if you're going out there specifically going and telling God, God, life isn't fair. Well, I just want to remind you a fair is where you go to see pigs get judged. <laughs> That's what a fair is. Life isn't fair, right? It's not fair. But God promises a life that is far greater than fair. And we're going to be looking at that here in just a moment. As we go and we really break down the rest of this verse, but I want you to realize you're going to have enemies in your life. You're going to have difficult circumstances. That is a reality that you must understand. If you're going to defeat contentment, or excuse me, defeat discontentment, find contentment, you need to be in reality and understand that you're going to have enemies. You're going to have extremely difficult circumstances. But I want you to notice that God does three things before our enemies. This is what David says. There are three things in this verse that, that God says that he does before our enemies. They're, they're right in front of our enemies. The, the first one is, is, we could say, the plan for contentment. He prepares a table before me. He prepares a table before me. Now, this word prepare, it means to arrange, to prepare, or to set in order. And it's a simple action that is a part of the whole. And so it's dependent on something else in the, the construction of this in the Hebrew grammar. And why am I bringing that out? Because some people might be going like, huh, who cares about that? Well, it actually is something that's really important because what it's going and saying is, is that this preparation is part of the whole well, what's the main verb in Psalm 23? I've mentioned it several times now if you've been listening to the series. It's God's shepherding. Part of God's shepherding is that he prepares, and what does he prepare? A table before you in the presence of your enemies. Now, what do you do at a table? And, and this is something that if you're going to continue listening to this podcast, and I sure hope that you do, 
you're probably going to hear me say stuff about tables quite a bit because I really believe that one of the most important areas in your home should be your dining room table. You should have a, a prominent position in your dining room table and it should be a place that is is free from a television. First of all, if you've got a if you've got a TV in your dining room, let me just rebuke you right now. Get that out of your dining room, because the dining room and the dining table has a specific purpose, and these are the three purposes. Right? You go and you get food. That's that's pretty important, right? If you're not eating at a dining room table, it's not a dining room table; it's just a table. So you get food, you get fed there. The second thing is, is that you have fellowship at the table, right? There's that, that, That's one of the, the best places to go and to have fellowship where you're going and you're telling people about your day, what's happened, what's going on, what, what's coming up next. And, and there's a lot of fun in, in all kinds of stuff that's happening right there at the table. It's great fellowship. The third thing is, though, is growing up. I, I, this was one of the places where I was taught the most because we'd go and talk and have fellowship about what was happening in your day. And then as moral dilemmas came up in the day and either asked, what should we do about this or, or what did you do about this? It always was brought back by my parents to the word of God. What does God say about that? What does God say about that? What should you do according to the Bible? How can you do that better according to the Bible? So a table, simply put, is a place where you get fed, where you get fellowship, and you get taught. There's another place where you get fed, you get fellowship, and you get taught, and it's called a church. And I bring this out because I I don't think it's a coincidence here. God prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. If you're struggling with contentment and you're disconnected from a local church, you're not there you're not at a local church, well, let me tell you right now, that's probably a big part of it. Because God prepared a church for you. He prepared a table for you. So whenever you go and you you start realizing that there are enemies that are oppressing you, that are coming in all around you, you know the response for a believer ought to be to start looking for the table that God promised, that he set up before us, that he set in order before us, that he prepared for you. And that's a church. Go find the church. That's where contentment is. That's a big part of contentment is being connected to your local church. Man, I I could just talk for hours on that, but for sake of time on the podcast, we got to move on here. The second thing that God does in front of your enemies is that he anoints. He anoints your head with oil. We could call this the completeness of, of contentment. He anoints your head with oil. Now, of course, when you think of anointing, and of course, we know David is the, the author of this psalm, I, I often think of David's anointing. Maybe that's what he was thinking of. You know, we could go back in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and read about David's anointing if you wanted to. But something that's interesting I found out in studying this passage is that this is a different word for anoint that's used here in Psalm 23 than in for Samuel 16, and in fact, in every other place that uh, that anoint is used uh, or anointed is used in the Bible. You see, this is the only time this word is translated uh, anoint. It's, it's a lesser meaning here of this word. This word actually means to make fat, 
to, to satisfy. And it's in the perfect tense, meaning it's to completely satisfy. See, what this is getting at is that God pours over our heads complete satisfaction, complete contentment, but it is only when you're sitting at his table that he's going to go and do that, what he has set in order for you. See, God is the only place where you can be completely satisfied or made content. It's often spoken uh, that a man has a God-shaped hole in his life. And, and, and I know that's that that's cliche to go and to say, but there is a lot of truth about this. We were created to be relational beings with God. We were created to have a relationship with God. And so therefore, God is the only one who can ultimately fulfill that spot and give you contentment in your life. Contentment is only found when you seek Christ. You're only ever going to be completely satisfied when you are pursuing Christ. You can seek all kinds of things in life, and they're going to come up short. I'm reminded of the words of an old hymn, and it says this, Poor I was and sought for riches, something that would satisfy. But the dust I gathered round me only mocked my soul's sad cry. Now, of course, the uh, the chorus then kicks in, Hallelujah, I have found him uh, whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longings, and by his blood I now am saved, I believe is how the chorus goes. But we think about that. So many times you pursue things in life, and it, it just gathers dust in your life, and ultimately it might have seemed exciting in the beginning to pursue it, But where does it end? It ends with mocking your soul's sad cry. The only thing, the only one who can truly satisfy your soul is a pursuit of Jesus Christ. The third thing that Jesus does, that God does in front of your enemies is that he makes your cup overflow. And this is the abundance of, the abundance of contentment. My cup runneth over. And this means exactly what it says. It's overflowing or runs over. And David is agreeing with what Christ said later on in John 10.10. The thief does not come except to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That is the cup overflowing in your life. See, Christ not only gives us contentment when we seek him, but it is overflowing in our life. See, Christ exceeds our greatest expectation of joy when you truly seek him. Our idea of what we thought was fulfilling in life is shattered because Christ fulfills us even more. Our cup runs over. Our hope of joy is in life is nothing compared to the joy that you can find in Christ. Christ goes above and beyond what you could ever imagine. He truly gives abundant life. Now remember, all of this though, all of this happens. The table, the prepared table, the anointed head that that is that satisfying and then of course even more than what you could ever expect the the cup running over all of this 
is while sitting across from your enemy. Remember, this is all while looking the enemy in the eye or a difficult circumstance in your life right in the eye. See, God gives us contentment and goes beyond what we could ever imagine all while circumstances are raging around us in our life. It's almost like that when you are pursuing Christ, that you are in the eye of the storm. You know, the eye of the storm there, that's where it's perfectly calm. Everything is crazy around you, perhaps, but you are perfectly calm because you have your eyes fixed upon Jesus. You're satisfied right there in the middle. You are saying, my goal is not to be distracted by the circumstance. It's not to be overwhelmed by the circumstance, but to be overwhelmed in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want to know him. And when you pursue Christ with that kind of passion, that is where contentment will be found. But to conclude, I just want to remind you that you have a choice. You have a choice. Will you choose while your enemies swirling around you, while your circumstances are difficult because you will encounter trials, you will have enemies, will you choose to pursue Christ in that moment? Or will you choose to be paralyzed by the circumstances and by your enemies? That's the question. If you choose to pursue Christ, I can promise you three things. He has prepared a table. He's ready to anoint your head with oil. And he gives you a promise that your cup will overflow. But you must pursue him. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's nothing we can't overcome.